You're listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org. Started talking about this subject last week, talking about the discipline of stillness, of being able to get quiet before the Lord. It's essential for us if we want to live a life where we are hearing what God is saying to us, where we are hearing what the Holy Spirit is saying to us, and where we are walking in that, being led by that. If we want to live that life, it's really essential that we be able, that we learn how to get our minds in particular, our, our hearts, we might think of it that way, quiet before the Lord and to do it on a regular basis. And uh, we live, and we talked about, we, we laid a lot of foundation last week. So I really encourage you, I can't go back through all that. I don't have time this morning. Uh, but there are free CDs out there. There are podcasts. There are uh, YouTube videos. You can get any of those. Pick up what we did last week because we laid a lot of foundation. Uh, but I, I will just say that I think all of you know, and most of you have probably heard and read some of the statistics on how many thoughts we have going through our mind every day, how many images, and, and again, those statistics that I gave you last week were, were just the thousands of, of ads. It was, that was just ads that we are exposed to on a daily basis. There's so much coming at us, and we were really designed for intimacy with God, and in order to have it, we can't just have our minds filled with all of the stuff that wants to fill our minds these days. I mean, we have the opportunity to be looking at, thinking about going after something all the time. And I think more than, I mean, this has been true, this thing we're talking about, getting still before the Lord, it's always been true. That's why it's in our Bibles. But I think more than any generation that's ever lived, we probably have a greater challenge with learning how to get quiet before God and tune in to his voice. Jesus said, my sheep, or my, my people, he said, my sheep hear my voice. He didn't say they might hear my voice. Some will, some won't. Uh, he didn't say any of that. He said, my sheep hear my voice. That, that means you're designed for it. I'm designed for it. He, he, he has created the opportunities. He's made, it's made us in such a way that we can hear what God is saying. And that's not unusual. That's not weird. That's just being a Christian. That's all that is. And there are a lot of different ways he speaks to us. You know, we're not going through all that this morning. That's a great study. It's not something we're going to touch on this morning. But he doesn't force his message on you. He really doesn't force anything on you. He always leaves us a choice. And our role is to put ourselves in a position to hear and to listen. And one of the really important things about that is being able to get all the other clutter and all the other junk out of our minds. We looked at some verses last week over in 1 Kings that talked about the fact that God speaks in a still, small voice. So it's not most of the time, it's not thunder, it's not lightning, it's not uh, like the movies, God speaks to your heart. And it is often very gentle. And so that means 
I need to be quiet enough to hear that. He's not going to shout over everything that you're putting into your head and into your heart to make himself heard. It's kind of a, you know, it's just kind of an aspect of respect for somebody to, to be quiet, to look them in the eye, and to listen to what they have. To say, if, if more of us did that in our relationships, we wouldn't have so much trouble. Instead of listening, but the whole time I'm listening to what you're saying, I'm planning how I'm going to respond and what I'm going to say, and maybe to correct you, maybe just whatever, but I'm planning that the whole time. That's not listening. Listening is being quiet long enough to hear what the other person's saying. I think it's interesting that one of the traditions uh, in the Navajos is that they it's awkward for um, a white person, uh, until you get used to it, to have conversations with them because they wait a little bit. After you stop talking, they wait a little bit. It's this polite thing. It's this respect thing to be sure you're done talking. And so for us, who are used to just talking over each other, you know, you can be talking, well, then there's a little awkward silence. And it isn't that long, but still, we, because of our culture, want to fill it right away. Well, we do the same thing with God a lot of times. We do the same thing. When he's speaking to us, we need to be quiet and listen. So let's, so let's get into this this morning. Uh, I'm going to have to, let me just see if I can jump to the right slide. This might be it. Yes, it is. So we talked about a couple of aspects of this last week. And again, I really encourage you to get that. But there were, there were four terms that we were uh, going to talk about. And does anybody remember what they were? One of them was quiet. One of them was rest. What do you got? And wait. There was a fourth one. I taught on it last week. Be still. I knew that. I was just testing you guys. Yeah, be still. We talked about that. These are terms that the Bible uses that, have diff- that are different aspects of this subject, okay? And so this morning, we're going to talk about this idea of quiet or quiet yourself. That's the idea. So you see, we're involved, right? Quiet yourself. So in Psalm 131, verses 1 and 2, and, and this is from the New Living Translation, it says, Lord, we looked at this last week, but we just touched on it so you would have it. All right, so we're going to go a lot deeper in it this week. Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. Some of your translations say uh, matters that are too wonderful for me. All right. Instead, I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. All right, so the, the picture here, the, the psalmist is coming along and, and the first thing he says there is I don't concern myself with matters that are too awesome or too great for me. And the idea there is that are, that are too big for me to grasp and understand. So there are a lot of things that come at us in life and they are just too much for us to really grasp, particularly because we, we want to get the Lord's perspective. 
and viewpoint. And again, maybe it's just because of what I do. I run into this a fair amount. Where I run into this, it's mainly with people. It, it is situations where a person is thinking or, or doing or, or treating another person or whatever in a way that honestly, I, I look at it and, and I just can't grasp how that person would think that way or how they could treat somebody that way that they supposedly love or those types of things. And, and that's just how my heart feels. I don't know how else to say it is that I, I just, I can't, I, I see it, I, I see what's going on, but how, how is that possible? And if we wrestle to, it's okay to ask the question, but there are some things you just have to say, you know what, Lord, this is too wonderful for me. This is just, I don't get it, but I know you have a solution to it. I'm going to put my trust in you. I'm going to sit before you and listen to you. If you want my involvement there, I'm perfectly willing, but I don't know how to fix it. I don't even know how somebody could do that. I, I, I don't get it, okay? And the psalmist is first of all saying there are some things that, that just come across that way and he's saying, I'm going to take this posture that you know what, I'm not going to lose my peace. I'm not going to become angry. I'm not going to jump in with both feet and try and fix it. I'm going to say in my heart, this is just too wonderful for me. Okay, meaning I'm just going to keep smiling. I'm going to keep pressing into you. I'm going to keep going on. And if you want to give me the answer to that, awesome. Okay, but what the psalmist is doing there is not allowing his heart to become agitated and angry and wrought up or, or jealous or uh, any of the bitter, you know, it's not going to pick up this other person's offense. I'm not going to do any of that. I'm not going to let my heart go to any of those places because when I do, I cannot hear what God is saying. I've got to get settled down. So that makes sense to you? So that's the first part of this verse. And then the second part, this is, he said, instead I've calmed and quiet myself and he compares himself to a weaned child. It's the picture of a maturing child that no longer throws a tantrum every time it has a need, okay? We know how infants are. They don't know anything else. All they know is I'm tired, I'm hungry, I'm scared, I'm cold, I'm hot, I'm... I'm uh, I need my diaper changed. You know, whatever it is, I am uncomfortable. And so they squall. They make noise. Have you ever heard one do that? They, they make noise. And, and that's the picture here is we can be that way. An immature spiritual perspective is to be that way before God. That as soon as we get uncomfortable, it's one thing to go to the Lord and to, to talk to him and to present things. That's cool. But it's when we just start screaming and when we just start getting, allowing our hearts to get way out of peace and just coming before God and what's this and why is that and why didn't I get that and what's happening and all of that. And I've done it. I know exactly how that feels. God has stopped me. In fact, with me, and he may not do it this way with you, with me, there have been a few times where the Lord has had to say, shut up. And that's just how he talks to me because I'm okay with it. I don't get offended by it. Shut up. And, and it kind of caught me by surprise. And, and then he'd say, and this, in this one situation in particular, he told me, leave that outside. Don't ever bring that back in here to our time together. 
whatever happened to us having a nice time together. And instead, every day you come with this situation and you bring this before me and it has become an idol in your heart. And I was like, oh. So I started leaving that outside. And as I did, the Lord worked me through it. My heart settled down. I knew what my role was, what my role was not. And the Lord was able to take me forward in that situation because I stopped squalling every time. Squalling is not prayer. And I'm not saying God won't have grace or have mercy or have, you know, that he won't have compassion on us when we're squalling. But if that becomes the habit, if that's your prayer life, you need to adjust. You need to change something and become, you know, like a, a weaned child, a child that has grown up a little bit, still a child, but it's grown up a little bit and it knows, you know, I could just ask for food. I, I could just ask to have my diaper changed. I could, I don't know if they ever do that. I could just ask, yeah, I'm cold, mom. You know, do you see that? So, so, it's, so he's saying, and, and what you need to get out of that is that the soul can be trained. That's so important. The soul, that's your mind, your emotions, and your will. You have a spirit. If you're born again, the spirit of God lives in that spirit. It's alive unto God. It's already been changed. It's a new creature in Christ. That's your primary person. Your primary life on the inside of us is our spirit. If you're born again, it's already full of the Holy Spirit. But then we have this soul, which is our mind, our emotions, and our will. And it's in a process of being changed, a process of being transformed. As the Holy Spirit works in our life with the Word of God, that's what he's doing with all of us. Okay, so our, our thought life is changing. Our choices and the way that we make choices is changing. Our emotions are changing and coming into more into line with him. But see, that's the, it's the soul that acts like an infant. It's the soul that'll just go screaming to God. And, and the soul, and I, and I want you to get this, the soul, your soul, my soul, can be instructed and it can be changed. It is not supposed to run your life. Your spirit is supposed to be in control in your life. It is the, the, in the Greek language, that word spirit means the primary life. The soul means the resulting life. Okay, the mind, the emotions, and the will. They're closely linked. The heart's kind of in the middle of the two, what the Bible calls the heart. But the soul can be trained. What does that mean? That means I don't need to just react for the rest of my life out of my emotions. I just had a situation recently where somebody got upset, not just with me for once, uh, but, and, and their, their habit is that when they get upset, they shoot out texts or emails to, to people, to a bunch of people, and, and attack them. And then they come back and apologize or don't, but then they settle down. You don't have to live like that for your whole life. And maybe that example isn't you, but you know what I'm saying. We, we tend, we're in a society that says, if you feel it, if you have the sense in your heart, if you have the opinion, you need to immediately go to social media and write it down and give everybody your opinion. Doesn't matter if it's linked to fact, doesn't matter if history bears it out at all, doesn't matter if you feel it, you need to put it out. And part of that, and I'll say this, 
Part of that is a reaction to uh, some time ago, maybe in my parents' generation, everybody, the, the normal thing, especially for men, was you just keep everything inside. You don't ever let it out. That wasn't healthy either. And so there was sort of a reaction to that to say, well, now it's healthy to just get everything out. You do need to get things out, but you need to get them out at the appropriate time to the appropriate person who is God first. And, and with a heart to, to know sometimes, I, lots of times, I'm feeling something. I feel the pressure. I want to say it. I want to act on it, but I know it's not right. I know it doesn't line up with God's nature or God's word. So I'm, I'm trying in my growth, I'm trying to learn to don't say it yet. Spend time with God first. Don't reply to the email yet. Don't do it. I've made some of the biggest mistakes as a pastor I've ever made by letting myself reply to an email too fast, especially an email or a text. There's no eye to eye. There's no hearing of the heart. They're just words on a page, words on a screen. It's just, so, so in all of those, I'm kind of running around circles here, but you get what I'm saying. The soul can be trained. Just like a child can grow up and be trained, the soul can be trained. Now, I, I love this. It says, I think one of the things we've got to come to is to understand, I can't fix everything. I, I can't fix everything. I can't even understand everything. And if I think I can, and if I feel like I have to respond to everything that comes at me in life, especially out of my emotions, that's a very arrogant way to live, is to think that everybody wants me involved in their life. Everybody wants me to jump in the middle of something. Everybody wants to know my opinion. It's very arrogant. It's part of, it's part of that. Th some things are too, too wonderful for me. And I, I cannot... Uh, I can't stay in peace if I react that way. I want you to notice here that the psalmist says in verse uh, two here, he begins it with the word instead. He says, you know, my heart's not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp instead. All right, so that word instead, some of your translations just say but, but it means instead it, that's, that's a place of decision right there. Okay, this thing came into my life. It stirred me up. I don't understand. I don't want to react arrogantly. I don't want to do that instead. So I made a choice. I'm not going to just let my emotions drive me to do something I shouldn't do. I instead, all right, I'm going to make a different choice. I will, I have calmed and quieted myself. All right. So how do we do that? How do we come to situations in life, situations at work, situations in your family? I mean, real situations in life where things either bring fear, agitation, anger, um, you know, bitterness. Again, a lot of times somebody you know, somebody you love is coming under attack. You want to pick up their offense. You know, whatever it might be, anything that's going to 
separate you from your peace before God. You know, when those things happen, what do we do? We have to learn. We have to train our soul to stop, wait, don't react right away, take some time, and have some time in prayer. You know, there are hardly any genuine emergencies on this level that happen. Hardly any. Just because, oh boy, there are a lot of these situations where something goes on in someone's life and you hear about it or you're involved in it or whatever. And to be very honest, they've been sowing the seeds for that problem for years and years and years. And they've been uh, creating this problem for years and years and years. But when that moment comes for them, when something goes wrong or whatever, all of a sudden, it's an emergency. And it should be everybody's emergency. And everybody should jump up right now and deal with it. We can't live that way. You know, what is the saying that people have up on the wall? You know, your, your failure to plan does not create an emergency for me. That's, you know, I know that's harsh. I know that's mean. I know, but it's the truth. And so the, the point is, I'm not saying we shouldn't jump in and help people. I'm saying, guard your heart. Watch where your heart's going. Don't, do not pick up another person's offense. That's not, I think we do it because we're trying to love them. We're trying to show how much we care for them. We're trying to defend them. We're trying to be on their side. That's not the way to do it. That is not love to let their offense get in your heart so that you have a hard time hearing from God and getting the wisdom of God and ministering to them out of God's voice. That's not the way to do it. Picking up their anger, picking up their bitterness, getting into their little army that they're setting up against somebody else. It is not the way to do it. And as much as we care and as much as it hurts to see people hurt, and we all feel that way, sometimes we have to step back and quiet our soul. We've got to quiet and calm ourselves. I love the way this is written. I have quieted myself. This is a choice that the psalmist has made. Can you see that there? And, and the scripture talks about commanding our soul. There's a lot of this in the Psalms. Or, and, and even you know, David would say, uh, my soul will bless the Lord. My soul will bless. Praise the Lord. To me, it's evident he didn't feel like it at the moment. But he said, my soul, you will bless the Lord. Mind, emotions, will, you will bless the Lord. He made a choice. He commanded his own soul. And a lot of times, that's what we have to do. We have to take authority over the train of thought that's going through our minds. This is why the New Testament tells us, it, it says, take your thoughts captive. So that, that means, I mean, that's a literal statement there. there. I do this a lot. I have lots of thoughts, just like you do, that are running. And I know these are not godly thoughts. This is not, this is not going to produce, this is not going to get me the wisdom of God for this situation, letting my mind run on this train of thought is not going to produce godly results in my heart. So I have to 
take that line of thinking, those actual words in my mind, I have to get before God, I have to take them captive, I have to arrest them, I have to put handcuffs on them, I have to put them, put them in the police car, I have to, and I can't stop there. I can't just say, okay, I won't think that anymore. I have to replace that line of thinking with what God's word would say, what God has already said. And that might be that, you know what, Lord? I might start with, this situation is too wonderful for me, okay? But I know that you love every individual involved. And, and the guy over here, the thought train in the, in the cop car, you know, that has the handcuffs on, will try to roll down the window and say, yeah, but they did this, but they did that. And if I, if I give in to that, I'll be right back on the same train of thought. I have, to get, I have to get on God's train of thought. This is a person that God created with a destiny. This is a person that Jesus died for. Doesn't mean their behavior is right or that it doesn't need to change or anything like that. But me dwelling on whatever that is, or if there's a problem in your life and you, know, you, you lose a job or you don't get a job you wanted or, or your kids look like they're going the wrong way or whatever it is. If we follow those trains of thought out we get into fear, we get into agitation, we start to blame other people. We do all kinds of crazy stuff. And instead, the scripture says, take your thoughts captive and make them obedient to Jesus Christ. And what that means, I, it, this is practical. Don't just read that verse and not apply it. This is practical. We have to take those thoughts captive. And I, at least for me, I have to do it over and over and over and over again. But you can, you will, get to a place of peace where you can sense the Lord's presence in it. and You're okay. And that's the place we can start hearing from God again. That's the place we can start getting the direction that we need for it. And you know what? Sometimes the direction is butt out. You know, this, this isn't, this isn't your deal sometimes. So we need to take our thoughts captive. Secondly, you've got to put a watch over your mouth and ask the Holy Spirit to do the same. It's, it's, again, I don't have the scripture written down, but the psalmist says, Lord, put a watch over my lips. Okay, because your words and my words, they're like seeds. So when we just spew out of our emotion, we're planting that seed in other people. We're planting our anger or we're planting our confusion or we're planting whatever it is. We're planting it in other people. So here's the thing. Put a watch over my lips, Lord. And here's the deal. You are not responsible either or obligated is a better word to listen to a friend or whoever it might be just spewing negativity into your life. You are not, that is not the best way to be a friend to them, to just open your heart and open your life. And again, listen to all of their stuff and then get on the train, on the thought train with them. You're not obligated to do that. What we are obligated to do is say, Lord, put a watch over my lips, help me guard my heart, and from this place, I can help that other person to recognize, you know what? You need to stop talking about this right now as a friend. I'm telling you this as a friend. I'm giving you the truth in genuine love. And I'm telling you, you need to stop talking about this. 
And you need instead to get quiet before the Lord, to take captive your thoughts. And we can teach each other how to do that. That's what, I think that's what being in a church family together is about, is developing some friendships where somebody can tell you the truth about where you are and what you're feeling. And it doesn't negate, I, I know something genuine happened. We know, we know, we know. I get it and, and it's hurtful and I'm hurt with you, but let's turn that a godly direction. Let's take that and let's get before God and let's let him deal with the hurts in our own hearts and then with the situation. And we need to be able to get his wisdom. Does this make, does this make sense to you? And so the scripture tells us, don't allow foolish, godless talk to just spill out of our mouths and don't feel obligated to listen to it either. You are not their trash cans. And as much as, as much as you want to help and the, as much as your heart is in the right place, if you just continue to listen to anger and bitterness and jealousy and accusation and those things coming out of somebody, they are seeds. And your heart is a seed bed. And it'll get on the inside of you. And so it's really important, and I realize this takes, it takes wisdom, it takes grace, it takes, you know, sharing that you have compassion and that you have mercy and that you know, I hear you, I know you're hurting, but let me help you. You've got to move away from this place. Does that make sense to you? All right, so last one, I've just got, well, actually, I've got two more. Uh, in these situations where the stuff's coming in, you've got to reject fear. Okay, you've got to, if, if something's going on in your life and it's coming at you and you're trying to get quiet before the Lord, quiet your heart before the Lord, one thing you have to reject is fear. You fear, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound and disciplined mind. Fear never comes from the Lord. It's a terrible motivation. It's a terrible, we shouldn't even be praying from a place of fear. And we do. We certainly shouldn't be acting on fear. I've known people who have tried to figure out what God was telling them. One, well, my uh, pastor in Albuquerque was, uh, she was going to Phoenix to, to speak and they, something with the airplane, they got in the air and something bad happened. They had to land it and then the mechanic got on for a couple minutes and then they're going to take off again. She was trying to figure out, she didn't like flying anyway. She was trying to figure out, should I get on this plane or not? She's in a corner in the airport with her face in the corner praying, God, do I get on this airplane or not. And she was all, you know, she couldn't hear anything. And, and, but she realized this is fear. Fear is not from you. You would not motivate me by fear. And the only reason not to get on the airplane is because of fear. So she went and got on the airplane. She just did the opposite of what fear was trying to tell her. Final one, always refuse strife, gossip. We've said this, taking up another person's offense, taking up, uh, Anytime we allow those things to get in our hearts, when you allow anger, bitterness, accusation, fear, I think would go with this group. When we allow those things in our hearts, we give the devil, we give the devil a foothold in that situation. The scripture that talks about that in the New Testament about don't give the devil a foothold, it's specifically talking about staying angry with somebody. 
So just think about it. Again, think about it in the context of picking up someone else's offense. I know some of us have been trained that that's the way to love people. We get on their side. That's not the way to love somebody. The way to love somebody is to bring, help them out of that place, not you get in with them. When we get and we allow, I mean, those are his characteristics. He's a liar. He uses fear. Uh, he, he tries to get us into anger and bitterness, jealousy, things like that. He tries to bring us into those places. When those things are going on, we've got to reject those things. We've got to not allow them to go on in our heart. How do I do that? Take captive the thoughts. Take the thoughts captive. And I know it's not easy, but, but remember what I said. The soul can be trained. This will get easier for you. You will more quickly recognize thoughts that are not coming from God. You will more quickly dismiss them and shut the door on them. And you will more quickly grab something out of the word and start thinking and saying, let that come out of your mouth. Start speaking blessing into the situation. Start speaking blessing over the person. Start speaking that God has this thing uh, and he will, be able, he will make a way where there seems to be no way in this situation. Start speaking that stuff, but you've got to put it in your heart if it's going to come out of your mouth with any kind of faith. Did this make any sense at all? Uh, hopefully. Karen got it, so hey, <laughs> she knows what I'm... Anyway, never mind. Let's, let's stand up and pray. I hope you got something out of this this morning. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> She's agreeing with me. I must have done something right. Thanks, Barry. All right. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just, Lord, this is such a serious subject. And Father, all of us, we want to get better at disciplining our soul, Lord, at commanding our soul, at bringing it into line with you and with your spirit. And Father, we want to be people who can genuinely help our friends and help those around us and, and be helpers in situations in this earth. And Father, we want to be people who can hear your voice so easily and so clearly, respond to it and respond from it. Lord, we want our prayers to flow out of what you are already saying and have said. Lord, we want our actions to flow out of what you are doing and what you have done and out of your nature and who you are. So Lord, we want to become more sensitive to all that. And, and I, know, Lord, I know, Holy Spirit, that's your job. I know it's what you do. And so we just want to encourage that all the more. We want to focus in on you all the more. Lord, where some of us are just so caught up, whether it's in some kind of agitation like we've been talking about this morning, or, or if it's just stuff, if it's just too much work, too much noise, too, too much, whatever, just messages coming into our minds. Help us learn, Lord, to quiet ourselves before you and hear what you have to say. And I thank you for it. I know you've said it, so I know there's grace for it. I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, well, we're going to be back here at six o'clock tonight uh, for a remedy. It's going to be awesome. Encourage you to bring some friends. And then also, if you need prayer after church, we'll be up here to pray for people. So if you need some personal prayer or something, come on up and let us pray for you. Okay. So we are going to say this on the count of three. We're going to say, we're going to declare Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin in the world. Then we're going to go out into the community and be the church, right? Let's say it. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Amen. See you guys.
you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Denison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube.